Well, hello everyone, and thank you so much for joining me tonight on Table Talk. We are back at it, and I am super excited to be here with you today. I'm Yvette Gallinar, for those of you that may not know me, and this is Table Talk, a ministry of Word of Faith Global Ministries. And I am super excited to be back with you. Lots to catch up on, so I wanted to take just a few moments tonight and give you a uh, kind of a briefing, if you will, of what we have been going through. This has been definitely a season of change for me and Pastor Ricky. We uh, have been called back to uh, South Florida, for those of you that may not know. We actually moved back down to South Florida from North Carolina in the month of August, towards the end of August. And uh, we truly are blessed to be back here and uh, just hitting the, the ground running uh, and uh, we're super excited. So I want you all to be aware that um, there's just been some changes in, in our life. And that's one of the reasons why we haven't been able to have some table talk sessions. Although I do have some upcoming uh, appointments for some really interesting table talk segments and I'm super excited of those and so I want you to be uh, watchful of them because they're going to be coming up down the pike and I'll, I'll be mentioning those um, momentarily but yeah this this has been a season of change uh, for me and Pastor Ricky and for our church uh, as you all know many of you know we moved uh, to North Carolina about four years ago and um, you know the Lord began to tug in our hearts to come down back down to South Florida and so we did we finally made the move at the end of August and then right after that we had a series of a couple of trips one of them being our trip to Greece we uh, did a phenomenal trip on the footsteps of Paul in Greece and I have to tell you that that was honestly life-changing it's one of those situations just like when we have visited Israel, which Pastor and I have actually visited Israel three times already. I'll be talking about Israel in just a few moments, but this uh, trip to Greece was monumental and I could liken it to a lot of those trips that we've done in Israel as well because the Bible has come alive in, in so many ways, in more ways than one, but in so many ways. As a matter of fact, I touched on our trip to Greece a couple of Sundays ago in a part one of our message in this series that we have this month of October, but I'm going to be bringing part two of that message in just a couple of, um, and actually a few days from now, it's this coming Sunday. Uh, so I don't want you to miss out because I'm going to give part two and I'll be showing some more pictures and talking a little bit more about our trip to Greece. It was I can't even begin to describe it. It was so eye-opening, so motivating, so encouraging, um, and so revelatory in so many ways. And so I'm really, really um, encouraged by that trip because um, I get the opportunity to bring to our church, our congregation, to Table Talk, uh, just some eye-opening um, moments that we shared while on that trip. So I, I just wanna give you just a little tiny um, taste, if you will, just so that you can come back on Sunday and uh, be with us as we 
bring part two of of a couple of Sundays ago that I that I brought part one. But you know, the Lord gave us um, a, an incredible window for the 42 of us that actually visited Greece and went on this tour of the footsteps of Paul. And the Lord really did give us a window uh, during that trip to Greece because by the time that we came back, when we came back, just a few, um, a few days later, uh, we get to find out that Israel was attacked by Hamas, as you have been seeing in the news. I am very certain that many of you have been um, witness of witnessing all of the <clears throat> attacks, the massacre that has occurred, uh, which is horrifying to say the least of what has been going on. But I wanted to share with you tonight just something very brief because um, our church, as you know, we are uh, so in tune with the things that are happening in Israel. We've taught on the feasts um, uh, and the Feast of the Lord. And uh, many of you are very much aware that we've been teaching or we've taught for many years to keep our eyes on Israel because Israel is the um, foundation. Israel is the go-to when it comes to uh, prophetic uh, instances in the Bible. And so I wanted to share today an, an article, and this is an article that I read recently by uh, the IsraelBible.com. I'm going to pull it up here for just a moment, <clears throat> if you would bear with me as I bring this up, because I feel it's, it's so on time. And uh, sure enough, this article was actually an article that they wrote uh, or they published back in January 11th of 2022 and it's resurfacing now which is interesting because it really does come in time or on time I should say of what is happening now in the nation of Israel. So I, I want to read it to you again. It's from the IsraelBible.com and it's entitled What Makes Amalek? so evil what makes Amalek so evil and so it goes on to say that the attack perpetrated by Hamas terrorists on October 7th 2023 proved to the world what Israel has known for many years that Hamas and the terrorists who perpetrate evil against Israel and her citizens are modern day Amalekites modern day Amalekites what exactly do we mean by Amalekites? Now, I found this really interesting because, as you all know, you have to correlate the happenings in Israel. You have to correlate everything revolving around the Jewish nation, the nation of Israel, I should say, and biblical backdrop, biblical background. Um, so we have to we have to marry those things so that we can better understand not just the Bible, but so we could better understand really the happenings, the things that are happening in the Middle East. And so it goes on to say here that as they traveled through the wilderness following their liberation from Egyptian slavery, the Israelites faced an unexpected attack by the Amalekites near Rephidim. Now watch this because I know that you're going to recall for those of you that are Bible readers, Bible scholars, and um, understand the word of the of the word of the Lord, in, including the Old Testament scriptures. But it says here that Moses, which of course was the leader of the Israelites, directed Joshua to lead the Israelite forces into battle against the Amalekites, 
while Moses ascended a nearby hill with the staff of God in his hand. You'll recall that this is the moment in time where, uh, um, as, I, as I read it, you'll see that this is the uh, moment where Moses raised up, raised up his hands, and as he raised up his hands, the Israelites were winning in the war against the Amalekites, and as he grew weary and grew tired, and his hands were coming down, the Israelites were being overtaken. But watch this, it says, down in the valley, a fierce battle ensued. Moses playing a unique role in the outcome, when he raised his staff high, the Israelites gained the upper hand, but when fatigue caused his, caused his hand to lower, the Amalekites gained ground. To secure victory, Aaron and her companions of Moses lent their support to keep his hands raised until sunset. They have actually a very beautiful picture here of what that would have looked like. So I encourage you to go to theisraelbible.com so you could see this article uh, in its entirety. But it goes on to say here, ultimately, the Israelites emerged victorious against the Amalekites. As a consequence of this battle, God declared an everlasting conflict with the nation of Amalek, vowing to utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. You can find that in Exodus 17, 14. Now, what was the sin of the Amalekites? What exactly did the Amalekites do to do that caused God to wage war against them from all time? Now I'm reading from here, so I'm actually quoting this article uh, for uh, the purpose of this mini study today. And it says, the sin of Amalek was twofold, twofold. Number one, they were the first to attack Israel after they left Egypt. Exodus 17, 8 through 16. And number two, they attacked all the stragglers in your rear. That is a quote from Deuteronomy 25, 18. Now, I want, I want you to, um, as, as I continue to read this, I want you to uh, get an understanding or get a picture of how this correlates so very well with Hamas, okay? And what is happening in Israel now at this very present time. You see, because it says the attack by the Amalekites was seen as an act of defiance against God, against Yahweh, who had picked the Israelites to be his chosen nation and obey his laws. Furthermore, it ruined the opportunity for God to be known and recognized as by everyone on earth as the one true God. In the word, and this is this is an interesting portion of this article. It says, in the words of Nechama Libowitz, a great Torah scholar of the 20th century, and it quotes him saying the following: Mankind as a whole might have taken one great step forward and acknowledged the sovereignty of the God of justice and truth. But then along came Amalek. So what he's referring to here is the exodus as god took the children of israel out of egypt out of slavery out of bondage and he is he's brought them out of egypt as they were coming out it says but then along came amalek unrestrained by the dread and awe that kept all the nations of the world in check jumped as it were to use the midrashic 
expression into the boiling cauldron. What was there to fear? There, they were wandering in the wilderness, weary and struggling, referring to the Israelites at this moment, right? At this time. Why should they not be attacked and spoiled? This is the way of the world. In this manner, the moment of awe at the, at the mighty hand of God passed away and the atmosphere of astonishment at his miracles evaporated. So this is, this is what caused uh, the, the um, this is what the Am Amalekites' um, uh, uh, purpose was, to diminish the awness of God that he had just taken miraculously the Israelites out of bondage, out of Egypt in a most astonishing way as we know in scripture. But watch what he says here. I'm going to repeat that sentence one more time. Uh, he says, in this manner, the moment of awe at the mighty hand of God passed away and the atmosphere of astonishment at his miracles evaporated. The world returned to the idols of gold and silver, its faith in mortal uh, power and brute force. The opportunity had been lost and who was responsible? Amalek. Now watch what it says here. This is the end quote of the... Um, of uh, the words of Nikama Libowitz, uh, who is again, uh, a great scholar of the 20th century. Now the article continues by saying the following, while the rest of the world was still in awe and fear of God following the Exodus, Amalek attacked, ruining the pristine image that everyone had of God at that time. Their brazen attack was not only an attack against the Jewish people who represented God, but against God himself. And God holds this against them for eternity. Watch what it says. Furthermore, the way they went about the attack was immoral. Now correlate this or, or uh, and link this together with what's, what's happening today, what, what happened just a few days ago. It says, the Israelites themselves were tired and weary. Deuteronomy 25, 18. And they attacked the old and weak at the back of the camp. And isn't that exactly what Hamas just did? They attacked the elderly, the young, the women, the children. Watch what it says. As a result, as a result of their actions, God declared that he would have war with Amalek from generation to generation, Exodus 17, 16, for those of you that want to take notes of these scripture verses. This has become a theological concept known as the doctrine of Amalek and is used to explain why God chooses to punish certain peoples or nations for their sins. This doctrine is seen in many other instances throughout the Bible, such as when God commanded the Israelites to wipe out the Canaanites. You could find that in Deuteronomy 7, 1 through 2. Now, this is going to explain some things that we may question when it comes to the Bible. Is that why? Why would God call the annihilation of the Canaanites, for example? Or why in this case with the Amalekites? Watch this. The the article continues. So who are the Amalekites in the Bible? The nation of Amalek descended from Abraham. It says here, okay, the article, its founder being the grandson of Esau. Amalek was the son of Elipas, 
the son of Esau, and Eliphaz's concubine Timnah. You can find this in Genesis 36, 12. According to the sages, Timnah was a princess who had tried to convert to Judaism but had been rejected by Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We won't go into all that, um, all that, but it says here, she replied that she would rather be a handmaiden to the dregs of this nation than be the mistress of another nation, and therefore married Elipas to punish the patriarchs for the affront they made her. She was made the mother of Amalek, which would cause Israel much distress. The first king Saul, you remember this through scripture, was commanded by the prophet Samuel to finally wipe out Amalek for good. Saul was victorious against the Amalekites, but spared the choices of their flocks and the Amalekite king, Agag. You all remember this in scripture. When Samuel found out that Saul's about Saul's disobedience, Saul lost his right to kingship. Later on, we know that King David was then the one that was anointed to be king. It says, Samuel then killed Agag himself. Before he was killed, however, Agag sired a child who would keep Amalek's lineage alive. One of this child's descendants was, guess who? Haman. Haman that we find in the book of Esther. Haman the Agagite, who some 500 years later sought to wipe out the Jews of the Persian Empire under King Ahasuerus. Now, according to the sages, the, Am the Amalekites were sorcerers who could transform themselves to resemble animals in order to avoid capture. Now, I want you to think about that for just a moment. The Amalekites were sorcerers. In, a, in other words, the Amalekites could actually transform themselves. They could shapeshift. We've talked about this before on Table Talk, which is a very strange subject to even discuss. But the fact of the matter is that these stories are in the Bible. And we often ask ourselves some questions about why, like I said a moment ago, would God command the annihilation of a certain people, even the animals? Well, this is the reason why. The Amalekites were such, so evil and dark in nature. They were sorcerers who could shapeshift into Animals, why would they do that? Well, they did that in order to avoid capture. So it goes on to say here, the um, Amalekites, uh, wait, I don't want to lose my, my, there we go. According to the sages, the Amalekites were sorcerers who could transform the, themselves to resemble animals to, in order to avoid capture. Thus, in 1 Samuel 15.3, it was considered necessary to destroy the livestock in order to destroy Amalek. Now, do you understand? Now, what did God say about the Amalekites? I continue with this article. It says, the Amalekites lived to the south of the land of Israel in what is now known as the Negev Desert. In Deuteronomy 25, 17 through 19, the Israelites are specifically commanded to blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Once they have taken possession of the promised land in retribution for 
what Amalek did to them on the way as they were coming out of Egypt. You see, God is not a forgetful God. God knows and God remembers what they did at the time of the the um, the uh, Exodus. At the at the same time, the nation was commanded never to forget forget the evil deeds that Amalek did in Judaism. The Amalekites came to represent the archetypal archetypal enemy of the Jews. I may have pronounced that word wrong, but I always have trouble pronouncing that word. In Jewish folklore, the Amalekites are considered to be the symbol of evil. Now, the trait of Amalek is the following according to this um, article. It says, there has been much conjecture about the trait that singles out Amalek. The verse in Deuteronomy 25:18 states that the Amalekites surprised or happened upon the Israelites on their way. Very much so as what just occurred in the Middle East and Israel at the time. The medieval commentator known as Rashi explains that the word for happened, korka, uh, uh, also denotes cold. He understands this to mean that the Amalekites cooled you off and made you appear tepid after you were boiling hot for the nations were afraid to fight with you, quote, end quote. And then again, the article says, for the word, from the word happened, we also learned that Amalek represents the believe in chance of the haphazard dictates, um, of fate and destiny, which opposes the Jewish belief of divine providence. Amalek's philosophy negates the concept that there is a purpose to humanity or a certain or a creation itself or to creation itself. Again, the antithesis of Jewish philosophy. Another explanation is based on the gematria, numerology of Amalek being 240, 240, the same as the value of the Hebrew word for doubt. Amalek's chief weapon is to foment doubt among the faithful. I find that interesting, even though we don't necessarily follow gematra or numerology or, or what have you, but nonetheless, it is interesting. And I continue with this article. So do the Amalekites still exist today? The question of whether the Amalekites still exist today is a complicated one. From a physical standpoint, it is unlikely that any direct descendants of the ancient Amalekites still exist. The tribe was conquered and absorbed into other cultures over time, and there's no evidence of a distinct Amalekite people or language surviving the present day. However, many Jewish scholars and religious leaders believe that the Amalekites live on in the form of anti-Semitism. In Jewish tradition, the Amalekites are seen as the archetypal enemy of the Jewish people representing the forces of evil, destruction, and immorality. The commandment to wipe out the Amalekites is therefore interpreted as a call to combat anti-Semitism in all its forms. The interpretation has been influential in Jewish culture and history. Throughout the centuries, Jews have faced persecution and discrimination from various groups. 
often under the banner of religious or political ideologies. In each case, Jewish leaders have invoked the memory of the Amalekites to encourage their followers to resist and survive. Our modern-day enemies, such as Hamas, certainly embody the traits attributed to Amalek, a lack of godliness, morality, and a propensity for evil. And then as I finalize this article, which I find it to be interesting, and I hope it's uh, been interesting for you, but the story of the Amalekites serves as a powerful reminder of the enduring struggle between good and evil, faith and defiance, and the need to confront and overcome those who seek to harm the righteous and undermine the divine. The lessons from this ancient conflict continue to resonate in the modern world, highlighting the importance of upholding principles of goodness and defending against the forces that would sow evil and discord. Once again, this is an article from theisraelbible.com and I wanted to be sure uh, to share that with you because it was very enlighten enlightening to me and I hope it was to you so that we can um, just uh, marry some of the things that are happening in our world today as well as what used to uh, occur also in Bible times specifically or namely in the Old Testament so that we can better understand what is happening today. I would say as well that um, you know, the Bible obviously is true. The Bible is filled with prophecy. And, uh, you know, it's it, it, you'll find uh, today and throughout these past few days, and I'm sure in the future, you'll find tons and tons of um, not just emails, but videos talking about Israel. As a matter of fact, um, and prophetic uh, uh, end time uh, subjects as well, but um, one of the members of our church, Miguel, who is um, uh, a fan of Table Talk, he uh, reached out to me and Pastor recently, and he sent us a, an, um, a video by Praise on TBN, a program that came out recently. And as I watched it the other day, it coincided perfectly with what was what uh, we just finished reading in this article from IsraelBible.com. I want to remind you that Israel is and always will be God's chosen people. Uh, if you recall from scripture, namely Deuteronomy 32, and we've talked about this on numerous occasions here on Table Talk, but after the rebellion of um, the, at the Tower of Babel, you could find that in Genesis 11 uh, with regards to what happened there with Nimrod and the Tower of Babel and the uh, dispersing of the languages and the nations. Uh, God disperses the nations, giving them over to the sons of God, which were our lesser Elohim. However, Israel would be his. So basically, if I can put this in the most... Um, I guess modern day terms, God basically said, all right, this is what you want. I'm going to just go ahead and disperse you to these nations as these nations. And I'm going to assign these lesser Elohim to you, but I am going to call a nation to myself. Enter Abraham. 
enter the Jewish nation, enter the Israelites. God calls the Israelites to himself. And one of the very first things that God tells the Israelites is, you shall have no other gods before me. Why? That is because the nations had already adopted all of these other lesser Elohim, sons of God, as God's little G gods. And they began to worship these gods. And so God basically said, you want that? All right, but I'm going to call a nation to myself. And this is called the nation of Israel. Deuteronomy 32, eight through nine says, when the most high gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the people according to the number of the sons of God. But the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, his allotted heritage. So there shouldn't be any doubt in our minds that Israel is his allotted portion, his chosen people. But you see, the story doesn't end there. In God's divine grace and mercy and wisdom, his plan all along was to bring the nations back to him. You see, God wasn't done with the nations once and for all. No, 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 no. He had a plan all along. And in this plan, it was the most amazing, the most divine, the most astonishing plan ever concocted. And it was done by Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And by this, what he did was he sent Jesus, his son, his only begotten son, to graft us in to that promise, to redeem us and to save us. And so there shouldn't be any doubt for us with regards to the nation of Israel. We, as a church, and we mentioned this on many occasions, we do not stand with replacement theology. And replacement theology says God is done with Israel. God wrote Israel off. And now the church has replaced Israel. We do not, we do not believe in the replacement theology. We continue to stand with Israel. And, and I, wanted, I wanted to bring this, I don't know if you wanna call it encouragement, mini teaching, however it is that you wanna call it, but I wanted to bring this because uh, tonight because um, although we as a church have been praying, have been interceding for Israel, not just now, but throughout many years, it's going on 20 years, that we have been in ministry and um, we stand with Israel, we support Israel, and we know that Israel is going to play a very key role and is playing a key role with prophetic fulfillment and end time prophecy. So that is why I always um, instill upon our church to be watchful about the happenings in the Middle East. Be watchful of what is occurring in Israel because it is the foundation of what we will see in the future. We continue to pray for protection, for peace, for the innocent bystanders on both sides here. Uh, this isn't about, you know, uh, one side or the other. No, everyone, everyone that is a victim, that has become a victim, all of the hostages that 
the um, the uh, that Hamas has currently. We're we're praying. We're praying for the leaders. We're praying for our president and the cabinet and our government and Israel's government for everyone to have the wisdom of God. And my goodness, we are praying for a Damascus Road experience for those that are doing such evil against the nation of Israel and really abroad. Anyone that has any kind of evil intent, that they would have a Damascus Road experience, that they would have a Pauline experience, that God just just did a, a complete miracle in the life of Saul, thereby becoming Paul. And he was one of the most influential uh, writers of the New Testament that to this day we continue to read and glean from the pages of the letters that Paul wrote. This is our prayer. Our prayer is that those that have eyes, that they would see the truth, that they would receive Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach, as, as their Lord, as their Savior, as their Redeemer, as their Messiah, the one that they have been waiting for, that the Lord would reveal himself in their lives in a mighty and powerful way. This is the heart of the Father that many will come, that those that don't know him will come to know him as Lord and Savior, that they would repent from their evil ways because God wants none to perish, but all to come to repentance according to the word of God. So this is what I had for you this morning. I uh, wanted to share, you know, just a little bit of what we've been going through. Another thing that I wanted to bring to um, the forefront here as we end up closing today is that our church is undergoing some uh, some uh, season changes as well. And one of the things that we are doing right now is that we are in the process of changing our name. So we are uh, just getting ready to have it, the stamp of approval from the state of Florida. So Word of Faith Global Ministries will actually become Faith Life Ministry. Be on the lookout for some announcements about that. We're still waiting to get a new logo, uh, just a new face. We're all the same people. We're still believing the same way, but it's just our way of saying, you know, God is just taking us into this wonderful season as we've moved down here uh, to South Florida. And it's just, we're super excited about it. And I want you to get excited about it as well. So be on the lookout for those announcements and for our new face, uh, our new logo. And so it'll be Faith Life Ministry. And I'll, I'll share that it's Faith Life as if it's one word, capital F, capital L, Faith Life Ministry. So be on the lookout for that. We're so appreciate appreciative of you and uh, just your continued support and your continued prayers, please continue to do so. We are currently looking for our own location, so be in prayer for that. And if the Lord would so stir in your heart um, to uh, just sow a seed or sow some seeds or uh, support our ministry, you can do that at wordoffaithglobal.org and we would so appreciate that. Um, I pray, Father, right now in the name of Jesus for everyone that is listening to this table talk this evening i pray father for their protection i pray oh god that whatever season they find themselves in right now i pray lord that you would reveal yourself in a powerful way i pray for peace even in the midst of any turmoil that they might uh, be enduring at the moment i pray also for the peace 
of the Middle East, in the Middle East, Father God. Show yourself in a powerful way, O oh God. Lord, miraculously uh, just reveal yourself, God, in dreams and in visions. And Lord, bring other people to their forefront that they would minister to them and, and just uh, testify of your goodness, that people will come to you by droves, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. And I pray, Father, for everyone that is listening today. I just pray, Lord, for uh, just rest for those that need rest, those that need encouragement, those that need peace, Father God. Lord, overwhelm them with your peace as only you know how to do, Father. And I thank you for them, Lord. I bless them with your permission, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Once again, thank you for joining me. Be sure to send this message, share it, like, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and be on the lookout for all the new things that are coming up in our church. God bless you. Take care and we'll see you. Don't remember, don't forget, remember, come on Sunday for part two of our series this month. Take care.